0: and now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff.
1: Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors, everyone. I'm Corey Janoff, joined as always by Rochelle Vanderzanden. Hey guys. And today, we wanted to talk about college savings. I don't think we've covered this topic in depth in a, in a dedicated episode before, and for a lot of you, college savings is a high priority, or at least you want to contribute something to college for your kids and help pay for some of it, so we thought we'd dive into some of the optimal ways to plan for college expenses in the future and uh, ways to go about saving for it. So, Rochelle, where do you want to start off?
0: I was thinking we'd talk about how expensive college is to start. Point. <laughs> <laughs> we had a whole episode about how expensive kids are, which it turns out they're really expensive. And that was all about like expenses aside from college. And then today we're going to talk about how funding college for them basically like doubles the cost of raising them, which it's, it's pretty intense, right? So I know a lot of our clients, or at least It seems pretty typical that people want to help their kids get through college if they're having kids, especially folks that have a pretty high student loan balance, like they don't necessarily want their kids to be contending with the same issues, or if they were helped by their parents, they want to be able to provide that same support. Not saying that that's something everyone needs to do, but it does seem like it's something that a lot of folks are focusing on. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about what you can expect as far as expenses go and then a few different strategies that you can use to help like help your kids through that basically. Um I think one thing to note, and a lot of people probably realize this, but the cost of higher education has been increasing at a faster rate than inflation which means it may have seemed expensive for you to go to college and to go to med school or whatever else you decided to do it will seem more expensive for your kids to do the same thing so on top of regular inflation it's also just becoming more expensive that's assuming things continue the way that they are right now which isn't necessarily a guarantee but you know if we can just try to assume or not necessarily assume but try to project what that's going to look like then we're just going to use the best estimate we have. And the best estimate we have is that college increases by about 5% every year. So if we use that, we can try to project how much your kids might need for college. So I, yeah, go ahead, Corey.
1: I was going to just kind of add on to that. Um, The odds of it increasing at the same rate, you know, we're kind of planning for the worst, hoping for the best. You know, if college continues to increase at the rate it's been going, um, less kids will just go to college. I think this past year was the first year in a long time, like 50 years or something, that college enrollment actually decreased slightly from the prior year. It was like a 2% decrease, but still. Um, and I think it's just due to the cost. You know, Student loans are, are, I think, now the largest form of consumer debt in America, um, and it's not getting any better. And just the cost of that degree in relationship to the revenue that you can earn Front, by having a college degree in some cases just isn't worth it. Some some kids are starting to look at going to trade schools instead, you know, maybe be an electrician or a plumber and you train for that, you can make a decent living and uh, and not be saddled with the the significant cost of a college degree if if that route isn't in your uh, you know, in best interest for you. But assuming you want to plan for a, a traditional college education for your kids and you know some of the big name schools are are going to be able to hold steady like the value of a degree from Harvard Harvard can continue to raise their tuition prices if they want to and people will pay for it you know if if someone says someone who's accepted into Harvard says you know what I just don't want to pay the 75,000 a year price tag to go well great there's a you know, 100,000 people in line that would gladly step in and pay that price tag to get a degree from Harvard. So some of the the more prominent schools will probably still be able to maintain their traditional college experience, but some of the the, the less prominent schools may not be able to, you know, operate in the future, and we'll see some, some some consolidation there, but anyways, if we want to plan for those costs to continue to rise, like I mentioned, Harvard, you're looking at about 75000 a year in today dollars for the you know, elite private schools in the country. It's more like 30000 a year for in-state public schools, give or take, but that's kind of the rough numbers we're looking at. Um, for a total cost of attendance, tuition, housing, books, meal plan, the whole nine yards. What is the total cost to attend college for a year? And based on those tuition increase assumptions that Rochelle gave us, you know, about 5% a year is what colleges have increased by for the last call it 15-20 years, you can expect cost of college to, you know, more than double for a newborn today. You know, 18 years from now, it's probably going to be more than twice as expensive if that trend continues upward. So pretty significant uh, expense that, if you want to, requires some planning to get there. Absolutely. And, and I guess from an amount, I mean, it's hard to project, you know, it depends on what uh, investment returns are like and, and, sequence of returns a lot of variables but just kind of some rough numbers to throw out there and then we'll talk more conceptually about where to go about saving but if you're if you have a newborn and you want to save for them to go to in-state public school you, know, you probably should start saving about five or six hundred a month now and do that for you know until they're through college and then that should be enough to be able to pay for the majority of four years of undergrad if you want to plan for five years or grad school you know it's going to be more than that. If you're going to plan for any school in the country, you know the seventy-five thousand a year price tag. Saving more like you know twelve, thirteen hundred a month would would put you on a, a healthy track. No guarantees, but you know we got to start somewhere, and that should put you on a pretty good good pace to cover those costs in the future.
0: And I think before you get to that number per month that you're you're wanting to save, it's really important to decide what your goals are and to have like a concrete discussion with the other parent in the picture, if there's another parent in the picture, like with your partner, with your spouse, just make sure that everyone's on the same page and you guys have the same priorities and the same goals. Um, because, you know, I've definitely talked to parents that have some disagreements about what they should be doing. Like maybe one parent wants to totally fund it and the other one's like, well, I made it on my own so we can they can make it on their own too. Like that's what student loans are for. So, you know, obviously, We don't wanna totally ignore the issue just because we have disagreements. So it's important to have conversations, maybe come up with a compromise that makes sense, um, and then decide from there, like how much we're saving, what we're doing. Um, Establish those goals before you really start saving without a goal in mind. Like We just wanna know what the finish line is before we start working toward it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, where does paying for college rank on the list of priorities? You've got a lot of things that you wanna accomplish in life, um, financially and non financial goals. All of them kind of ultimately <laughs> cost money in, in most cases, in one way or another. Um, so, yeah, where, where is paying for college for your kids on that priority list? You know, the easy example is paying for college versus retiring. Would you rather retire at 55 and not pay for college, or retire at 65 and pay for all of college for all three of your kids? You know, no wrong answer. But um, you know, teach to, to their own. So where where does that rank for you on the priority list? You know, having the vacation home versus paying for college. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be an either or. But those are some some serious conversations to have. And like you said, Rochelle, sometimes partners aren't always on the same page, and we see this a lot. You know, the the time they realize they're not on the same page is when we talk to them. You know, and they we have understand. a six
0: month old. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. One parent's like, "Oh, well, my college was paid for. I'd like to provide that for my kid." And the other parent's like, "No, I want to retire early, and like they're on their own for college. Like my parents didn't pay for me. Right. So, no, again, no wrong answer. Um, the nice thing about college is there's a lot of ways to pay for college. It doesn't have to be fully paid by mom and dad. Um, it's great if you want to do that." Uh, you know my hat's off to to everyone out there who wants to pay for their kids to go to college. I think that's fantastic um Your kids will be you know in a good spot financially you know with no student loans uh starting their adult life you're you're helping them out uh significantly but there's scholarships there's work study programs there's you know you could go to community college to start and then transfer to another university um you know to get the degree. You know, student loans, obviously. You could help out with paying back the student loans. Um, The military. There's so many different routes to get an education that don't require mom and dad to pay for it. So it's not not a mandatory thing. However, you know, we can fully support those of you who do want to pay for your kids to go to college.
0: And the other thing Uh. is that when we talk about paying for college, you don't necessarily have to save all of that up front. You know, it's not... Like, you don't have to have an account for them with all of the money that they need for college the second they get into college. Um, and, And most people don't. Like, a lot of people, like, prioritize this, but they don't necessarily have the, the means to make it happen ahead of time, and maybe they end up paying some of it along the way. So I think there are a couple of different main strategies, like one of them being saving ahead of time, making sure you have college fully funded before they even get there. The other being like you just pay for it out of pocket when you get there. That might be a little hard. But I think most people probably end up doing a combination of the two. And the truth is like there are some advantages to doing it one way and some advantages to doing it another way. For example, like if you are saving ahead of time and you're putting that money in some kind of investment account, like hopefully you're able to get some investment returns that can combat that inflation that we're talking about. So hopefully you're saving less overall and paying less overall because you have a little bit of those investment returns. Um, And I think one other cool thing about having like a 529 plan, which we'll get to in a little bit, is that you can encourage other people to chip in too. You know, like when they get to college, it's a little. you could also potentially say, hey, grandma, do you want to chip in for the semester's tuition? But it's also nice to just be like, for birthdays this year, my kids already have a lot of stuff. Maybe if you want to just chip in for college savings, like you can do that too. And there's lots of different ways that, that you can get other people involved and encourage other people to be involved. I do think that there's also some benefits to paying out of pocket. I mean, obviously, you don't get that return. But you do have a lot more flexibility because at that point, you know what your kids are doing. You know what they're not doing. <laughs> you know, like how likely are they to finish their four-year degree? <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot of things that, that are less mysterious at that point. And so, you know, paying for it out of pocket, you just take a lot of mystery out of it. and it, It's a little bit hard to plan ahead of time with a two-year-old for what they might want to do as, as, you know, an 18, 19, 22-year-old. And and I think that's where that combination comes in a lot of the times where maybe we're saving some up front to cover like that four-year degree and maybe we're not necessarily saving up front for professional school and, and maybe we still want to provide some support there but do it when they're actually in school. I'm not necessarily saying that's the way that you need to do it but I do think using that combination approach can again provide some flexibility so that you can adapt to to what your kids actually have going on and what they're interested in.
1: Yeah. And obviously the paying out of pocket assumes you have the cash flow and means to do it, which some of you do. Yeah. Some of you absolutely do. Like I have I have some clients who are paying for private school for their kids, elementary and high school, and the cost of their private high school is the same as the cost of college tuition. And it's like they could just keep paying for another four years and, and you know, life doesn't change. So that's absolutely an option.
0: And there's going to also be like other debt payments that might fall off by the time your kids get to that age. Like if you have a 15 year mortgage and you've paid off your mortgage, then you might have significantly more cash flow. Um, I, I think assuming something like that is going to happen is a terrible idea. But if you can plan that out over time, like, you know, in 10 years, my student loan payments are done. And then five years after that, maybe my mortgage is done or this expense drops off. If you can see where that cash flow is going to come from in the future, that that can be more predictable.
1: Absolutely. Now, if you do have the cash flow and means to save up ahead of time, you know, odds are you can get your money to grow a little bit, no guarantees, but if you can start investing now, you know, there's a decent chance that your money will grow over the next 10, 15 plus years. Um, and then that reduces the total out-of-pocket expense that you have to you know, come up with on your own. You know, I think, like I mentioned earlier, if you're saving 500 a month today, starting today, you do that for, you know, the next 18 years, um, you know, your total out-of-pocket outlay is a little over 100000 but that could put you on track to essentially pay for the equivalent of $200,000 worth of school. So, yeah, you're you know, the opportunity cost of paying 500 a month now versus doing something else with the money is real, but it, it, it'll help reduce potentially that burden down the road. And again, getting back to the goals, you know, like you, said, Rochelle, it's hard to plan for what what a two year old's gonna do for college. You know, you know, it's hard to plan for what a sixteen year old's gonna do. Like, what teenager knows what they want to do with the rest of their life and how they want to? You know, what eighteen
0: year old knows what they want to do with their life? Uh, honestly, what college student?
1: I mean, I think that, <laughs> like I read some stat the other day that only one in five uh, people with college degrees are actually working in a field that they majored in. Um,
0: Disclaimer: I was a political science major. <laughs>
1: There we go. I guess I'm the anomaly. I majored in finance, (laughs) and uh, I work in finance. So, but um, but yeah, hard. But like figuring out the goals. You know, do we want to pay for half of in-state public school, all of public school, all of private school, med school, grad? Like, what what do we want to pay for? Is I think that most important piece to just get us pointed in the right direction, and then we can start crunching more numbers and figure out how much do we want to devote now to saving ahead of time, how much can we potentially afford when the time comes out of pocket. Like you said, Rochelle, if student loans are gone, if the mortgage potentially is gone, some other expenses might be out of the picture. Hopefully we won't have childcare expenses anymore, so you might have more cash flow available to pay for a chunk of that college expense out of pocket, if, you know, that's the route we want to go. So, assuming we want to save and pay for college, what are some of the best options to save up ahead of time?
0: And I think the one that most people think of just right off the bat is the 529 college savings plans because they provide a lot of tax advantages and they're pretty flexible as far as like how much money you can put into them and how much money that you can make and put into them. So even high income earners can use 529 plans. And the biggest advantage with them is that they are almost like a Roth IRA for like college savings, where you put money in from your checking account, you've already paid taxes on it, but then it can grow, hopefully, ideally. We invest it, it grows. And then on the back end, any money that you take out for qualified educational expenses can be taken out tax-free. And qualified educational expenses covers a pretty broad range of expenses. It's tuition, it's room, it's board, it's books not necessarily a car or health insurance or anything like that like not the the supplemental things that they might need but a lot of the expenses that they will potentially have can be covered with funds from that 529 account um one really cool thing about 529 accounts is that in specific states you can also get a state income tax deduction up to a certain dollar amount of any money that you put into a 529 account and that can potentially apply to like parents or grandparents or other people so it there's a little bit of an extra incentive and you'd have to check your specific state to see if that even applies to you and again it doesn't necessarily reduce your your, or it doesn't reduce your federal taxes but it can potentially reduce your state tax burden and for high income earners that can be significant so that can be another benefit um I think the downside with a 529 plan is that if you put a lot of money in there and then they don't necessarily need all of it for college and they you know you have to take it out for some other reason, you have to pay taxes on the growth plus a 10% penalty tax. So these are really intended to be education savings plans. They're not intended to be used for other purposes. Um, there's some ways to kind of get around that, like if you have someone else that might need those funds, but the original child it's set up for doesn't, you can transfer from one beneficiary to another if they're related. So there are some ways to kind of mitigate that risk a little bit. But it's definitely something to keep in mind, because, you know, if you get to the point where you have 150000 left in a 529 account that's not going to be used, and it just keeps growing... It's hard to kind of get out of that situation without paying a whole bunch of taxes that you didn't want to pay,
1: yeah, it's not the end of the world. It's just you you pay some more taxes than you otherwise potentially would have, so mm-hmm. we'll i guess dive in oh well, I guess we'll touch on it now, you know so part probably good reason there not to oversave in a five twenty nine plan um you know it's a definitely a good place to start because the money you invest, all the growth, hopefully it grows, but all the growth is tax-deferred, you don't pay any taxes on the growth, and if the money's used for education, you can withdraw it tax-free to use for education, so you can potentially withdraw a significantly larger amount than you put in and not pay any taxes on it and use that money to pay for college, but if it's not used for college, you're going to pay more taxes on those investment earnings than you otherwise would. So we're big fans of the 529 for those tax benefits and and the reason, um, you know, and, and the tax deferred growth. But uh, usually it's we want to start there. You know, the more time you give your money to grow, the more time it has to grow potentially, and the more benefit you get out of it. But you know, there's a number of different strategies. But once we get a healthy amount in that 529, maybe we slow down on contributing or stop contributing to it altogether, just let it run, and then put additional money that we want to save for higher education into a more flexible account that doesn't penalize you if it's not used for college. So a common... Mm -hmm scenario I'll I'll, I'll go through with clients is, you know, client says, we want to pay for our kids to go to any school in the country, public, private, doesn't matter. We want to pay for undergrad, no matter where they go. All right, well, let's save enough so that we're on track to cover the private school amount. But once we have the equivalent of public school in state saved up in the 529, we stop adding new money to the 529 and direct additional money into a more flexible account. That way, if our kids just stay in state and go to public school, we've got the public school covered, but the extra money we saved, we can do whatever we want with. You know, it could be a graduation present, buy a car for the kids, a wedding present, or just keep it for ourselves. It's money we (laughs) saved up that we don't need to spend on our kids. They've cost us enough money already, so a lot of options there one of the other knocks on 529s that that some people point out is oh money in a 529 it, it, you know can reduce the amount of financial aid that your kids are eligible for but let's be real you guys aren't your kids aren't, <laughs> aren't going to be eligible for financial aid um, they're highly unlikely they will qualify for any form of financial aid uh you guys just your incomes and assets are just going to be too large um You know, they could get scholarships, merit-based scholarships, absolutely, but it's highly unlikely they'll get any need-based aid, so I wouldn't really worry too much about that one.
0: With scholarships, that's one good thing to note is that like if your child does get a scholarship, you can take money like that covers that out of the, the 529 plan. You do have to pay taxes on the growth, but you don't have to pay the penalty tax, which is really nice. Um, so they do give you a little bit of flexibility there. One other thing that we did forget to mention, Corey, is that you can potentially use the funds in a 529 account for private, like primary or secondary school. It's only up to $10,000 per year. Um, But I think that's kind of not really the point of a 529 plan because the goal is to put money in there and let it grow, um, let your investments kind of do a little work for you. And if you're taking money out to maybe pay for primary school, like that money really hasn't had a ton of time to grow. If you have growth in there, awesome. Like that's that's definitely still a benefit. But the longer that money has to grow inside that account, the better. So if you can leave it invested and, and probably use it for college savings, it's probably a better use for that money.
1: Yeah, I guess if you want, if you have a young child and you want to, and you're planning to send them to private school for high school, you could plan yep, ahead and potentially you know, use up to 10,000 a year under current regulations for, for that, um, And I guess, you know, if you're in a state, so again, going back to the tax deduction piece, every state is different. Not all states offer a tax incentive, but some do. Some it's limited. You know, like in Oregon, you can get a maximum credit of $300. So not a giant uh, savings. You can save a maximum of $300 on your taxes where Rochelle and I live. But other states, um, like I'd have to check, but I think I want to say maybe Colorado. There's some states that have an unlimited uh, tax deduction. So if you put $100,000 in the account, you can deduct $100,000 off of your state income when calculating your taxes. So maybe you just use the 529, put 10000 in, and then pull it out to pay for the private school tuition, and you get a small tax deduction on that money. So you know, case-by-case basis, of course, we, we would need to check your state's plan's rules to see if that's. Uh, if that makes sense but um you know that could be a scenario where we're using it for the elementary school is is more appropriate
0: very true yeah, I think one other thing to mention is that just these general investment accounts that we're talking about, like Corey said, they can be really flexible. The reason that we don't necessarily use those for everything is because they're all subject to capital gains taxes. So that's, you know, in the 529 plan, that's what we avoid. In a general investment account, whether it's set up in your name or your kid's name, Like, if you have realized gains of that account, you end up paying taxes on the gain, which is good. I mean, it it means you made money. Like, you're not going to pay taxes if you didn't make money, which I like to, like, kind of beat into people a little bit because don't feel too sorry for yourself. But but it is definitely, like, the one downside. It provides a lot of flexibility, but you're going to have to pay some in taxes.
1: Correct. I guess the (laughs) other account that, probably isn't even applicable to you guys because there's income limits on it. Um, but the Coverdell Education Savings Accounts, ESAs, um, again, most of you guys are going to be over the income threshold, and you can only put 2000 a year into them, so it's, it's unlikely that that one will be applicable for you guys uh, at all. So it's basically 529s and then the more flexible brokerage account are probably going to be your best bet. Perfect. Apologize. Yep. Working from home, and we've got a, a, a breaking and entering here in my office.
0: I love it.
1: <laughs> you can probably hear the kids <laughs> in the background. When we're recording this, our state just got put under a new lockdown. Um, we, uh, I think a lot of places are, are are similar, but we're not allowed to go into our office. We're not allowed to gather with family members. You can't have more than six people in a room at a time, no more than two households. So I guess technically Thanksgiving is banned. We're recording this the week before Thanksgiving. Not sure how they're going to enforce that, but um, (laughs) but yeah, Rochelle and I are back recording from home. So if the audio is a little (laughs) different than what you've grown accustomed to hearing, we don't have our our fancy studio equipment anymore. Yep. It gives us some
0: real life color, right? Yes. And we both have young
1: kids, so there's a good chance you'll hear some young kids breaking into our conversations from time to time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I guess, I mean, that kind of brings another layer to it. Like we're talking about college savings right now because we know you guys are thinking about it. We're thinking about it too. You know, like there are things that that we are doing and planning and, and a lot of this is just exactly what we're thinking about at the same time. So I think, again, most important thing is probably to just establish your goals Figure out how much you want to contribute. Make sure you agree with your partner. Or just you know, some people I think just do it. <laughs> like I set up about two nine. I didn't really talk to my partner about it. Not encouraging that. It does happen. But yeah. I don't know. What else, Corey? What are you thinking?
1: Um yeah, just the goals is super important. How much do we want to pay for? And then planning ahead. Like the conversation is always the same. It seems like the theme is always the same with all of our episodes here. You know, Case by case really depends on the individual. What are your goals? You know, what do you want to do? How important is college to you? Do you want to pay for your kids to go to med school as well? And then where does that rank on the priority list compared to your other goals? Know, the vacation home the international traveling the you know do you want to pay for the kids weddings as well as college um, or you know either or you know do we want to help our kids with a future home down payment like how much assistance do we want to give to our kids in the future and then you know what are we willing to sacrifice in order to make that happen you know yeah i've I've talked to clients who say I'm content working into my 70s. If it means I can pay for my kids to go to college, provide for them, pay for their weddings, and help them with a down payment on a house and get them set up for the rest of their life so that they're on a good track with no debt. And, um, you know, and that's great. That's fantastic if that's a goal of yours. You know, let's make it happen. But it definitely requires a little bit of planning ahead of time if if we have some, some significant goals like that. So, I think that's probably about covers college savings. If you guys have additional questions, want to talk to us more about it, feel free to shoot us an email, reach out on social media. Um, and we're here to help.
0: As always, thanks for listening. Thank you. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group, LLC.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff
0: You can follow me on Twitter, at Rochelle Finance, or on Instagram, VanderZanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle
1: VanderZanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast, on our Finity Group YouTube channel, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog.